two, one. Welcome to the Anarchy Ball Podcast. I got a huge list of people who are joining on tonight. Uh, probably more joining on as we go. I got Jesse, I got Chris, and I got Jay. So this is going to be a fun time, I think. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Doing really well. Right. Thanks for having us, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. I like to, uh, you know, have pretty much open discussions about any given topic. Tonight, you know, I kind of wanted to focus more on the bureaucracy angle, but I know, Jesse, you, you wanted to talk about reaching women with libertarianism. And, uh, Jay, uh, you said you were working on something to uh, bring to the table? Uh, yeah, I kind of ran a little bit with what you had sent me uh, earlier about um, the – well, I took the military-industrial complex side of uh, this uh, new elected or selected president that we're going to have here in a couple of months. So, yeah, I've got a little something for everybody. Whenever you're ready. All right. Well, well I think we're I think we're ready, Chris. Uh, did you uh, have anything, or you want to just join in when we uh, when we go around the table? I'll just join in whenever we go around the table. Jay sent me the the one topic earlier, so I'll just kind of follow along with that. All right. So, Jesse, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, what you feel uh, you have problems connecting with other women about libertarianism. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the movement as a whole has kind of reached this point where we don't really know as right as far as messaging. And then it's like if you look at our numbers, we are so disproportionately male that the natural next step for kind of growing this ideology is absolutely to reach out to women. Um, so it's like, what's really wrong? What causes that giant disconnect? And I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that our messaging in a lot of the like outreach type of groups is really excessively aggressive, I've noticed. And um, I don't know, I, I work for a film production company, which makes liberty minded content called Emergent Order here in Austin. And uh, we tend to make very optimistic content and very, um, very level content. And I've noticed that it tends to reach women a lot better than a lot of the stuff I'm seeing out there. So it's just kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys have any right. thoughts on that. So you're saying it's, it's more of a messaging problem, like uh, the content of our memes needs to be more positive. Because <laughs> I see a lot I see a lot of people who are just doomers and like black pillars and just like, you know, well, we saw this whole thing coming. Oh, absolutely. And that doesn't really, that doesn't really uh, reach out to a female audience. Well, I don't, actually, I don't know that that has anything to do with the gender of the audience. I think that that just limits an audience in general. <laughs> to be totally honest, yeah. as one of the few ANCAPs that hasn't taken the black pill yet. <laughs> well, actually, you know something? I have something to add to what you're saying, Jesse. They'll take this, for example. Like, my my sister's a, a radical uh, anarcho-feminist, okay? And uh, she, she posted something on, on Instagram that, that pissed me off that I'm more than I could ever handle. It was a picture of RBG, and she's like, rest in power. And I wrote her, and I'm like, are you taking a piss or are you being serious? She goes, oh, no, no, no. She was a really, you know, badass chick. I'm like, you do know that she voted on the five to four. She voted on the on the other side of the argument that thought that you didn't have an individual right to bear arms. So technically, yeah. she is far more in favor of disarming women and keeping them at the mercy of whoever wants to hurt them. You know what I mean? So like, oh, absolutely. That, that's well, an we... angle that we should really take a look at and be like, don't forget that these people that you hold up on a pedestal, especially if they're statists. Hey, listen, look at this. They're not really here to help you now, are they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest problem is that they're, you know, our movement is so focused on the individual that 
I think that a lot of people who do like to break down their demographic is into all of these attributes rather than seeing themselves as an individual. I think that we need to do a better job of kind of meeting them halfway with messaging. So, I mean, I'm with you guys. I'm an individualist. I don't care that I'm a woman, to be quite frank. But if I wanted to reach another woman with this stuff, I'd say, hey, guns are the great equalizer. Or I would talk about how the Me Too movement was primarily market driven. I mean, we have so many arguments that are pro-women. But I just don't think we spend enough time discussing them, and I don't think we do enough to put them in our messaging. Well, I had I had an idea. Um, this is kind of off the wall, but you know how um, there's always just this big hoopla around NASA events, and you know everybody's focused on these uh, astronauts that are going into the the spaceship and blasting off. You know the um, appearances where alex jones shows up on shows like joe rogan or you know this recent one on timcast he's always talking about like dmt and, and these uh <laughs> these machine elves what if we had like uh you know a live streaming event where we've got a bunch of trained psychonauts who are going into like a uh a hypnotic uh dmt trip all in different parts of the country all at the same time to try and you know uh, grab these little bastards by the collar and bring them out of the matrix, you know? Oh, wow. Like, that would be something that would bring a lot of people's eyes to what we're doing, right? Uh, uh, can I produce it? Shit. That would certainly be some entertaining content at the very least. Oh, my God. Like, we get some psychonaut outfits and they're like walking around the block, like shaking people's hands, getting ready to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. fucking amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, forget messaging the groups. Uh, Let's just put on fun, entertaining shit that everybody wants to watch i mean hell i can i can get down with that right i mean there's so much information we can put out there about dmt how it's illegal but it's produced by the brain and uh -huh. like, we're being limited by our government as to what uh levels of reality we can actually perceive i think a lot of people would really uh i mean at the very least they'd be like eyes glued to their fucking tv screens not knowing what the fuck is going <laughs> on or how, how this is happening you know oh man but you know i mean shit like that i think I'm I'm more in favor of like the big magical fucking uh, pageants, you know. I think that's what gets people into it, because if you could start showing them that we're the most badass motherfuckers on the planet, then it's gonna start separating, you know, the the people we want out from the people who just want to debate online all day. Oh gosh, you know? absolutely. I want right. taste test your metal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We we've, we've got a vibrant thriving community of people who are doing 3d printing that now they could give a fuck less about arguing online right. they just like to throw it in people's faces mm -hmm. you know it's like look this gun's not exploding what do you have to say about that now <laughs> motherfucker and they never have anything to say yeah. it, it is very interesting working within kind of the freedom space professionally because you do run into these people who the extent of what they do for the freedom movement is arguing online and i'm not gonna put that down but there is like a certain level of disconnect there because i'll be talking about like my job or my experience in the movement they assume i mean twitter and we'll kind of chime in and i'm like no, 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 no. <laughs> not that <laughs> oh man right yeah i think i think we've got a, a whole group of people who are um are talkers and mm -hmm. not doers and you know i can't blame them because you know i'm i'm sort of in that position too i've got a family i've got mm -hmm. a full time job and there's not really much i can do outside of that but i figure you know at the very least i can say things that'll get people's minds working and doing this kind of crazy mm -hmm. shit cuz that's the crazy shit is what brings people in i think i mean look at look at when um 
that guy was the guy who originally started the whole 3D printing guns movement. Uh, he was he was being interviewed and he just threw it in the guy's face. It's like there's nothing you can do about it. You know, 3D printed weapons are in the public domain. You're never going to get rid of them. And at that point, it was just like that was the, the shot across the bow to all of these states, district attorney. You can't really do anything. So all the shit they've been trying has just been like a futile downhill effort. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's kind of- that's that's the we need the inevitability on our side. That's sort of the magic spell that that uh, libertarians have always lacked. We're never going to get that from a uh, election. No, certainly no. not. Right. No, no. Absolutely no. not. So, you know, once we start to get that ball rolling in our direction, using that inevitability complex, it's it's really there's nothing you can do to stop it. You know, that's where we're going. I think uh, cryptocurrency yep. inevitable. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 3D printed guns, that's inevitable now. It's in the public domain. There's nothing they can do about it. Let's go with DMD trips to other dimensions. Fuck it. <laughs> well, that's where, that's where know? all the creativity comes from, is the fringe anyway, you know? So that I think that you're right. I think it's an inevitability. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, we whether you're arguing with somebody, I've stopped arguing with people online simply because I really don't have the time nor the inclination to try to bring you over. I mean, the programming and I, you know what, to their to I guess on their side of the argument, after 15,000 hours of public education where they've been beaten into like, you know, drumming the nationalist drums, go die for your country, go vote. It's a cult, all this other shit. Yeah, sure. It's hard to break that programming. But there's some of these people, they cling to it. I mean, like it's like a life raft. So they have to have it. So I, I have no, no desire to try to, to, to win them over. Now, the people that are questionable, like the, you know, the capital LP people, the Libertarian Party people, you could kind of slip them a few at a time saying, hey, you know, you already say taxation is theft. But what if I told you, you know, X, Y and Z? And then you take it a step further. The thing with a lot of normies that I see that has worked is pointing out to them you know, 90 percent of your, your your daily life is already on a, an anarchic basis, like 90 90 percent of what you do is already on a voluntary basis. So then when you take that and you can quantify from that point forward saying, hey, what if you just radically expanded that? But it's hard to make arguments from the anarchist or the libertarian side on us when you're playing when you're playing the game on the status field. It's really, really hard to make that transition. And I think that's where some of that gets lost. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, Oh, I was going to say, go ahead, um, I mean, working in film and everything, um, I think that there is a way to do it. And I think that the value of this is going to sound a little bit silly. I like to argue online as practice. Like, I feel like you can actually feel out a lot of the mindset is in the different types of people you're going to run into. And it's just like, I'll just take these little notes away from each time I'll have a discussion with somebody and I'll keep them in my head for the next time we're working on like a branding campaign or something. Like, um, we had a recent one uh, for the Washington Policy Institute uh, where we ended up calling it Free Markets Destroy. And it's this whole series about creative destruction. And kind of what came from that is, you know, we were all like, OK, well, nobody really likes the word capitalism. <laughs> And there's like lots of little things that you'll pick up like that. And they definitely come in handy. And I think as far as media goes, there's value there. But as far as the broader messaging, you know, I, I absolutely am inclined to agree with you that people closer to our side definitely should be the priority. Well, what I'd like to throw in here is uh, from a philosophical perspective, norms bring norms. Yeah. Right. 
So yeah. when you're talking about philosophical norms, right, that's that's the main focus for uh, libertarianism. We talk about the NAP. We talk about uh, property rights norms and things like that. And what ends up happening is if you don't have those norms in practice, you will not attract mm-hmm. the normies, right? So we get in this catch-22 with, well, what exactly, what kind of society are we creating only arguing about norms, right? Because if we argue about norms, we're not actually putting them in place and we're not actually giving something people can use in their daily lives. Like we talk about the NAP. What we don't talk about is how that NAP can be used in your daily life to make your life better, you know, because we can't show it because it's still illegal to be an anarcho-capitalist. I mean, let's face it. If you wanted to stop paying taxes, right. you go to fucking jail. Yeah, like you're right? constantly living under the, the thumb of the system. There's like almost no way to escape it. Like you said, without winding up getting arrested or thrown in jail, you know, because you didn't pay your chunk to fund the roads. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that, that's what I love about that's what I love about using big uh, big displays and big uh, 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 you know pageants to show people we've got a new set of norms here, right? And that's the only way that you can do it is by using your free speech, what little is left of it so far, to try and connect with people on the fringes to show them there's a new set of norms. This is where you've got to go to get the benefits of those norms, right? right? It's a really interesting time to be having that conversation too, since. We've been so bombarded lately with all this messaging about a new normal. It's as if they're proposing a new set of norms that we Great now have point. to live within. Great yeah. point. Yeah. 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 Yep. And what did they get? They got the normies, right? The new yep. norms created the normies. And the normies go out there and they yell mm-hmm. at you about yeah. your mask. Oh, yeah, we call <laughs> them mascatarians. That it's it's, <laughs> it's literally a cult. They're mascatarians. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. <sighs> You know, that's the thing. I think um, as long as they're able to dictate the norms to the rest of society, we're doomed. And, and until we're ready to take a hold of that pageantry, uh, I don't think uh, we're ever going to change the it's, norms. Yeah, it's just another method of control. It's it's the, the grand illusion. And like you said, I guess like the ultimate question is like, how do you shatter that grand illusion for people? Like it's difficult. Like you said, with like normies, like even if you attract a normie, like you the like you want to like change them, and like you said, not create just new normals and just bring other normies in. That's that's the hard part. And like Jay said, with all that that programming, you know, that status programming that you get with what was the the fifteen thousand hours of public schooling yeah. or whatever it was. Like yeah, it's 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 hard. It is. It's so hard to break. Well, that. I I will tell you this, and this kind of goes in uh, like like uh, you know. Jesse was saying about the new normal. Well, Chris uh, is not only my podcast partner, he's also a bassist in his own punk rock band. And we went down to watch him play. And there was absolutely not only was there no mask wearing whatsoever, because at a punk rock show, you should expect people to not follow the fucking rules because it's a Mm -hmm. punk rock show. But everybody was hanging. It was like being in America in 2019. I kept making that comment. I'm like, oh, wow, this is what last year looked like. And now... Because we know that a black market immediately pops up as soon as the state does something and says, you can't do this. Well, immediately, immediately, there's a black market that pops up, right? So the chances are, I had this discussion with Chris, what if there's, a, a, a like, we had speakeasies back at Prohibition times. Well, what if we have speakeasies that exist for, like, going to rock shows or whatever kind of performance that you're thinking of where people are allowed to hang out and congregate and not wear masks and not conform to these new rules? That's 
what you're talking about, what you're talking about is is basically inevitable. I wanted to introduce uh, Skip, the free rifleman. Uh, he just popped in. Welcome, Skip. All right, I was hello. I was. Did you hear yeah, me, I was having a hard time with the uh, the mute button because uh, my my thumbs are big. this is gonna be a great show so yeah we're talking about norms and how to how to shake people loose and and get them out of the uh whole masketarian concept half my evening tonight just discussing that with a co-worker um you know i i I work security gigs and different (laughs) things like that and um as a side thing and you know it's exactly that it's like you know I, I told him, I said, you know, when I, when, I, when I have to put this mask on, I said, I literally feel like I'm a Nazi putting my swastika on. Oh, man. Wow. I literally, wow, that's yeah, what I feel a... like because it's a conformance. It's, it's literally, right. a, it's, it's a, uh, a form of compliance that makes no sense whatsoever. Right. And, and. The thing about what you're talking about with these uh, speakeasies, Ticketmaster has said that they're going to try to introduce a vaccine uh, passport, that you have to have your vaccine passport up to date mm-hmm. if you're going to go to any rock shows. So the big rock shows are now basically off limits to anybody well, who values yeah. their freedom at all. Canada is actually talking so, about you have to have it in order to go anywhere. Anywhere. Like if... if you know, if, right. they're going to have checkpoints and, and everything. And, and we're facing technology that is getting so intrusive and so ubiquitous that it's not going to be hard for them to start scanning this anywhere we go and having response team right there ready to uh, take you out into the vans yeah. and do whatever Black they want you. to you. I mean, they've already, yeah, they've already started killing people in Mexico. For not wearing their mask. They had a huge response there. They started lighting cops on fire down in Mexico because they killed a man because he wouldn't wear his mask. A poor farmer. Yeah, as if it couldn't get any worse there. Yeah. So the battle lines are here. And then the top it all off, like in in Michigan, they had those like RoboCop helmets with the visors with like... They could like scan you with like facial recognition technology and and literally look up anything about you. Oh my God, I haven't seen that yet. That's That's horrifying. Oh, that's yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, extremely dystopian and incredibly yeah. frightening well, technology. Think about like, the chuckle what they and can do with it. But you know, uh, <laughs> I anticipated this kind of action, right? I mean, like, it doesn't no, surprise no, it me, doesn't. but it's just it's 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 it doesn't stop it from being you know unsettling. Well, think about this. Well, just 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 play the scenario out for yourself. If you get pulled over by one of these fucking pigs and let's say you sneeze and they ran your plates and saw you didn't have a vaccine, that's going to be I'm in fear of my life and they're going to fucking dump a mag in you. Like wait wait and see. Like I mean they already have very little excuses for what they already do to people. Just yeah. wait and see how they're going to behave now. Oh, he didn't have a vaccine. I'm in fear for my life and next thing you know you got 13 rounds, you know, right to the chest. Mm-hmm. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I, I, one of the things I'm concerned about on that front is people who already have priors. I mean, it's like, obviously there's a thousand, show me the citizen. I'll show you the crime. It's like how many of these people are going to be disproportionately affected by this because they've broken one of the state's ridiculous rules in their past and their license is already in their police database. And there's like just so many things that'll compile. Yeah. That's a great point. 
Yeah, so uh, that's that's the other thing. Um, I think a lot of people are overlooking. Uh, I don't know if you saw this during the uh, mass shooting in Las Vegas, but uh, that same day that there was a mass shooting, there's this company called Pat Scan, the Patriot Scanner, that has one of the former uh, Homeland Security chiefs as their uh, spokesperson who talks about putting a Patriot scanner into every mall, into every uh, hotel, any place that has a public access to it is going to have a Patriot scanner, which looks for um, guns on your person. But I think it could very easily be uh, transformed into a, you know, one of these uh, uh, RFID reading uh, vaccine passport card readers. You know, it's ironic the name right it's like the patriot act right <laughs> yeah. this, right there's Dreamy. irony there extremely we're going to call something a patriot scanner that makes sure that people um don't have any teeth in their mouth literally you know we're going to be defanged in order to go into public places and quite frankly i won't go places that i can't be armed i literally it's not it's not inside me to do it. I literally Agreed. feel like I'm ripping my guts out. Yeah, I feel the same way. Right, but it's like the mask. I mean, all they had to do was say, hey, guys, mask up. And then, you know, every place started ordering people to wear masks. And now, you know, they're going to do the same thing with the gun. I mean, that's that's why they want Biden so bad is because they yeah. want to get rid of the guns everywhere. Any place that they can ban guns, they're going to try that. Now, I don't know if they're going to get the same kind of universal compliance, but at a certain point, they're going to have the uh, health department shutting down anybody who allows people with guns in. So it's going to be one of those things. Either you're going to comply or you're going to die. It's it's going to come down to that. It's going to, you know, I... You know, my my picture, my vision of the future is not it's not it's a little bit different than Orwell's. I still think that there's going to be a huge boot stomping in the human face forever. But I think that there's a lot more steps to it. And, you know, the part of it is, is that you are going to have people that do not comply. And whether it's just a few of us or whether there's a lot more that end up joining us. I think in the meantime, because I kind of like to look at like a 30, 60 and 90 day plan. And that's usually how I tend to look at things, you know. And and so sorry about that. I'm outside. Um, I I tend to look at things in the sense that you um, you probably want to be able to live in a lockdown sense, right, which is a prison term, by the way, you know, originated in prisons. Um, you want to be able to live in a lockdown in, in the way that you are not bothered. And what I did with my community is we created our own little mini community. And one neighbor, you know, would have like a karaoke night. And then another neighbor, we would have... Um, like a movie theater, like at a backyard movie theater. And we would sit around the, uh, the fire ring and sit and watch movies. We we're still doing this. Right. And of course, as the lockdowns, you know, come around, you know, lockdown number two, right. COVID 21 is the next one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, dark yes, winter. the dark winter. Right. Um, what, what we do is just basically function as our own community. 
And maybe that helps. It, it takes a lot of the sting out rather than just like being barricaded in an apartment, in an apartment complex or whatever. We actually have like our own little community and our little micro community. Uh, of course, we all have radios. We're all armed because I built everyone guns, you know, the whole bit. Right. So that that's that's kind of what I see uh, to survive this. Um, although I, I do think that at some point there's going to be confrontation. At some point, somebody is going to say, wait, you guys aren't wearing your masks in your yard or you guys aren't wearing your masks in your backyard. And, um, you know, I try not to put too much profanity in a podcast, but, you know, I, I do have good <laughs> words for that. You know? And so, hey, let it rip, you know, man. My, let my, it rip. My belief is, is that um, if you comply with this, then you'll comply with that. And, and, and eventually, you know, they will have right. you in a cage. And um, I, I don't, I, I won't go into a cage willingly. And that's why I don't comply. Right. Well, I think in terms of like how, how we get out of the cage, I think it, it comes down to radically embracing like the fringes of society and saying, look, we're here for you guys because you guys have, have been on the outs. So like, let's, let's say the psychedelic community is one of those that have been on the outs. We, we're starting to see some legalization, but we're not going to see the type of legalization that applies to stuff like uh, uh, ayahuasca and Iboga on a mass scale in the United States. But if we start to say, look, not only are we, you know, embracing this freedom that we have here, we're embracing that freedom too. And we're expanding. It's going to take a lot more of that energy out of what they're trying to do because we're expansive. Right. When you talk about, when you talk about doing uh, things on, on a mass scale, you have to look at the, um, the, the principles of hermeticism, right? And they talk about expansive versus contractive. Now, when we're trying to protect yeah. ourselves, it's naturally contractive. And having a naturally contractive force is going to be more victim to right. the naturally expanding force, right? So we have to both be contractive and expansive in our reach at the same time, or else we're not going to be able to make those yeah, strides that we need exactly to make liberty why I on a mass Twitter scale. It's just simply because I think that um, the process of reaching more people and having an influence on other people, uh, even on mediums that I despise now, and I cannot stand the amount of um, the the amount of I hate to use the word censorship because we all know that there's a big, huge argument about whether it's actual censorship or not. But what I would say is, is that now the the line of demarcation between um, mega corporations running our lives and governments running our lives are are not really, um, you know, there's not much difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I don't know if you guys have seen the film, The Social right. Dilemma. And I know that everybody's been talking about it a lot lately, but yeah. it keeps using this term surveillance capitalism. And it's just so frustrating to listen to that because these tech companies didn't get that big without the assistance of government. You know, I, I would love to know what the tech industry would look like without all of the regulatory capture and other nonsense, keeping competitors out of the market. I mean, people keep going to Parler, and I think that the only reason Parler has got any traction is because they've probably got some sort of deal, too. Then they're just going to end up being right-wing Twitter, silencing other opinions, and it just kind of feels like a bottomless pit. Well, Parler, 
Call or ask for your yeah, ID was, if you're going to run a business. I was just getting ready to say that they're, they require your ID. They, do. they were actually ridiculous. my uh, booth neighbors at CPAC this last year. I was there promoting a, a music video. And it, it's so funny because they see, they had people running the booth that felt very targeted and very specific and like not necessarily like the people in charge of things. I went over and talked. They were like, oh, yeah, they just they just hired us for this gig and we're just here for this. They were models. I was like, what on earth is this? But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The right is never ready to embrace people like uh, Edward Snowden or, you know, Julian Assange, right? Once the right actually... Oh, my God. Sorry about that. Once the right... Uh, see, my wife is trying to put the kids to bed, Aww. and so she has to use uh, Disney songs to do that. <laughs> so... Right now, that's what's on my uh, Spotify. <laughs> so I think she clicked on that and it uh, it came up. But no, um, if 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 the right is ever actually capable of embracing the leakers, like for instance, uh, they're close when it comes to um, mm-hmm. what's it called the um, Veritas Project, right? They're close. They're close. I think once Veritas Project starts to embrace people who expose the military industrial complex, then it's fucking over. The right wing is dead. They're going to have to reform and call it something completely else. I think that that's fair too, but you know, know, check this out. So at the same time, while the left will get really upset about, you know, Oh, the Republicans and their stupid wars and this, that, and the other thing. So this is from a, a, a reporter called Sarah Lazar. And she said of the 23 people who comprise the department of defense agency review team for Joe Biden, eight of them, or just over a third list their most recent employment as organizations, think tanks, or companies that either directly receive money from the weapons industry or are part of the industry. These figures may be an undercount as uh, these times, which is the periodical is not immediately able to exhaust, exhaustively source the funding of every employer. Uh, The Center for Strategic and International Studies is listed as the most recent employment of three individuals on Biden's Department of Defense agency review team, which all have uh, connections to, guess who, General Dynamics, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, and other weapons manufacturers and defense contractors, as well as oil companies. Hey, listen, guys, new boss, same as the old boss. I don't know why anybody bothers. Yeah. Jeez. Have you... Have you have you watched Millie Weaver's no, I Country, right? The the part one of it. The mil- Okay, well Millie Weaver uh, works for well worked maybe still works for Infowars. She was one of their reporters. She she started interviewing a bunch of people that she had military contractors on, who former military contractors who were former um, uh, service members, right? So they just got taken directly out of the service into military contracting. What those military contractors said that I think the big (laughs) takeaway from that terrible documentary is, is that because I don't know, she's not a a good filmmaker. If you can do anything with her, Jesse, I I recommend it. Noted. Billy Weaver. Noted. Make make her films better because they suck. All right. She was talking to them and they were talking about how, look, the whole Deep state is run from the military contracting wing of everything. So all of the spying, all of the political malfeasance, everything that the Democrats is doing right now is because they have support from the military contractors who underlie everything. They cannot do it through the government bureaucracy. They have to do it through military contractors. It's like 
if you can if you can formulate a plan within the FBI, CIA, whatever, you can implement it through military contractors. So it, it leaves a break in the chain of evidence. So at this point, you know, you don't have a view into what military contractors are doing. So they can pretty much do whatever they want to, or they can respond orders in such a way that they don't even know what they're doing, right? So the military contractor to deep state pipeline is what's running the show. That's it. It's the bureaucracy. And what we have now is a single party bureaucracy where everyone in every uh, federal, state, local bureaucracy is influenced entirely by the mainstream media. It is no different than the Communist Party uh, with, their, with their propaganda ministry. It's all one thing. There's no variation once you talk to these people. You talk to a guy who works in the post office, very doubtful he will even uh, acknowledge Trump as president, right? These people have a mentality that is, is unparalleled in any other aspect in American society. They're ready to go to war, and I think that's what we're seeing now. That's why they declared Joe Biden yeah. the victor, because they want the single-party bureaucracy yeah. to fight the, the on war, every level of the government war is for them. Here. I, it's, not, it's really not that hard to see. It is definitely already here, and it's been in the making for some time now. Right. Well, I think uh, what their war plan looks like is they're going to go for the fringes first, which means us libertarians, they're going to get rid of us. That's why they went after – they've got a, over a 200-man team going after the Boogaloo Boys. And the Boogaloo Boys have been pretty predominantly left and right libertarians right. who are sick and fucking tired of cops, right? They, they took those 200 people in the FBI and they started working as hard as they could to find the people who could come together and do shooting outings. And targeting them as the leaders of the movement, and then they called them, uh, you know, this coup attempt going on in, in uh, Michigan, right? The two people who were trying to set each other up and everybody else up were both FBI agents. There was no coup attempt. They just talked about it, and other people are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's good. And they got all these people in one fail swoop. They're going to keep doing that. That's going to their going to be their modus operandi only they're not just going to kill one or two of them like they did last time they're going to kill yeah. all of them next time if you're talking to an fbi agent that's what's going to happen you've got to do your research you've got to keep it cool yeah and you've got to look into all the people who mm -hmm. talk to you if somebody if somebody messages you and you're not even putting out that much 100%. information you've yep. got to know that they're right. a fucking glowy absolutely I mean, you'd be foolish yeah. to think otherwise. Well, you know, I, you guys probably know just from some of my posts in the past that I, I still train with law enforcement. Um, most of it is local, which honestly, if you're if you're going to have a problem, it's going to be at the local level first off, just simply because, you know, federal agencies don't do anything without local cooperation. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of knowing who your local folks are. And if you can have some type of working relationship with them in right. a way that does not endanger you. Um, I know it goes against the rule of, you know, don't talk to the cops, but what I will. Yeah. 
here's the difference. What you're talking about is a professional relationship. I think if anarchists were smart, they would start producing uh, separate pages for uh, Thin Blue Line well, gear and know yeah, their customers. And... You understand what I mean? Right. Come up with T-shirts and know your customer yeah. because once you know them, then you've got an in. Then they know you as a, a certain person and not the other person that you portray online. You don't have to tell them anything about the other person that you portray online, but you do need to know your NAP and you need to know uh, who your local fucking uh, cops are, right? They're interested in supporting their cause nationwide. That's fine. Let them fucking exhaust themselves on voting harder. That's not up to you. What's up to you is to know your enemy, right? And they're not your enemy yet. Before they're your yes. enemy, yes. that's the and, time and the to thing talk is, to is them. That some of them I've known for almost 20 years. And, uh, and over the time, you know, I've actually been able to see uh, quite a few of them change their points of view over time in discussing things with either me or zero gov, you know, is another uh, good example. Um, and there, if all of you were to sit in a room with me sipping bourbon with one or two of them, you would actually say, wow, I can't believe that they just said that because they're, they're not the Kool-Aid drinkers that, that everybody thinks that all cops are. So, but you only know that if you spend time uh, and get, get to know them. And, and contrary wise, what I will say is, is that most cops, they only hang out with other cops. And, and the reason they do that is to protect their career. Right. Because they're if, in the biggest bubble. You know, they do something stupid or something illegal. And it's somebody that is, you know, with them. It's going to be a lot less likely that somebody else is going to say something. Um, you know, e even just something simple like having two beers and driving instead of one beer and driving. Right. Or having six for that matter. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff that you'll see. Um, and that that is very, very common in the law enforcement circles but if you shoot with them you train with them you become friends with them you know you go to you know barbecues and parties and stuff like that and after a while they stop to see they stop seeing you as a potential customer right which is you know what nobody wants and then they start to see you as an ally like hey right. When the shit hits the fan, you're one of the guys I'm going to call. And and when when you when you do that, you you right. formed an alliance Look, that I think is important. Nobody is more paranoid than government, and you can see this if you form relationships with local cops. They have shut themselves off from the rest of society because they're afraid of being influenced by them. I remember when I was in the army, they used to tell us about uh, OPSEC and uh, InfoSec, and they would say, if you have outstanding debts, you need to go to your commanding officer right now, and you need to talk about that yeah. before somebody is able to use that against you. Well, here's the thing. A lot of these cops do have that problem, right? And you need to know who's going to have those problems because those are the people targeted by the feds.
right? Because they're going to know those problems before you ever will. If you get to know your local police department, you're going to know who's going to be coming for you. You're going to know who their kids are. You're going to know what to say when they knock on your door. But you're not going to be able to do that if you're an agorist who refuses to produce thin blue line fucking material. You understand? It comes down to that. You need to supply your enemies as well as your friends. That's what being an agorist is all about. It's about being above the fray, right? So if you've got a Che t-shirt and you're an agorist, put that shit out. If you're, if you're an agorist who puts out a thin blue line t-shirt, do both. This is what you need to be at it's- so that you can be above the fucking civil war that's coming. Because these people are ideologically incapable of supporting one another from a agorist perspective. That's what agorism should be about, is about being above the fray and seeing who is the potential threat. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say it's interesting that... Um, Go ahead, Jesse. It's, it's just funny that you bring that up. So this is such a silly, small, materialistic thing, but I have green hair. And people on the far left trust me. Because, I mean, if you saw me, you would not doubt me or question anything if I walked into an Antifa meeting, to be honest. And I just think it is very important that we have those sorts of alliances. And the, even though little things like that might be small and materialistic, any small thing can still build trust, get information, all of those things. Um, I'm not quite as agoristic as I'd like to be, though, quite frankly. So I'm appreciating learning about it from you guys. Well, uh, the agorist primer is is one of the best sources. I'd say go to that one. Oh, I mean, I'm excited about it, too. The the, the only thing I'm in a position in my life right uh, now to engage with is crypto but uh, and, you know, finance, but... Otherwise, uh, you guys keep on keeping on. You can't really work in the film industry and on messaging and all of those things and totally unplug yourself. You know, I need to be accessible and connected and able to go into an office and a studio. And, you know, it's a different battle, but much respect to the people that are able to go all out with that lifestyle. I think it's absolutely amazing what you guys do. I I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's a, a lot of philosophy because that's that's what um that's what Rothbard mm-hmm. said. It's an incomplete philosophy about uh agorism and a lot of ANCAPs really I do I do actually disagree with Rothbard on that. It's not. <laughs> so. What what you have to do is you have to look at the philosophical Yeah. Well you have to look at the the philosophical elements of it because you're starting to see that seed of not wanting to be ruled leading to how you present your product, right? So if you think of entrepreneurship as uh, just a, a casual thing, then you're not going to see the, the, the total impact of agorism. If you see it as this is how I can help shape society by fulfilling other people's needs and also fulfilling my own, then you're going to start to see it, it. It's like if you're economically competent you'll start to see the uh philosophical impact of agorism so uh we've gone on for a while now i think uh i'm trying to keep these down to 40 minutes or so this was a great episode i'd like to thank uh jesse chris jay and yeah the free rifleman yeah i think this was yeah, absolutely thank great. you for having, thanks for having us on much appreciated it was Right, and it was it was yeah, nice to meet you, Jesse. Um, we'll do... 
we'll we'll do plugs yeah, really quick. Jesse, why don't you uh, tell people uh, where they can find <laughs> you? guys you. can follow me on there. My name is Jesse Bennett, and my handle is at Jesse Nicole B. That's J-E-S-S-I-N-I-C-O-L-E-B. You guys can also check out our work over at Emergent Order. Um, our primary kind of place for that right now is YouTube. So you can go to youtube.com slash emergent order. You can also listen to the podcast I produce for that company called the Emergent Order Podcast. It's available on all of the podcast streaming services. And I think that's it. Uh, yeah, right, I'm, Chris, uh, I'm a co-host on the Use Guys Net podcast with Jay. Um, you can find my uh, my personal Twitter handle is at the Bloodletting. So um, we're obviously we're, we're very active on Twitter as well. So um, uh, and then you can find our you know Jay and I's podcast at uh, Use Guys Pod uh, across all platforms. So you can just search that. You can find us on uh, YouTube, uh, Podbean. Uh, I'll, I'll save some plugs for you, Jay. You uh, yeah, you what know. Chris said, and uh, we're on BitChute as well. And uh, you can uh, find us on Subscribestar. We also have a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash useguyspod. And it's exclusive content for our uh, patrons. And our website is useguyspod.com. And uh, we have an, our, our entire catalog is on Podbean, but it's across all platforms. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check us out, please do so. All right, and I'm Anarchy Ball, and if you want to know more about me, you're going to have to uh, take an IV hit of DMT and talk to your local machine uh, elves. <laughs>